Hi, everyone. Hi, Francis. <laughs> Hi, David. Hi, everyone. What a fun topic. Happy dream, the happy dream. Can't think of a better topic to, to explore for the weekend. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, we're so grateful that you could all be there with us. You know, we're all here together in our Zoom room and, you know, I, I was happy when I, when I got to the part of the course where I read the line, the Holy Spirit needs happy learners to learn the final lessons of happiness. So that to me told me that, that I, I really needed to get into the happiness if I was going to uh, see the world differently and allow the Holy Spirit to offer a replacement for the ego's world of guilt and judgment. So uh, that's what we're into. We're into going all the way with, with happiness and uh, he didn't say the Holy Spirit needs conflicted learners. He didn't say the Holy Spirit needs resistant learners. He didn't say the Holy Spirit needs reluctant learners. He said the Holy Spirit needs happy learners. <laughs> if you're going to learn the final happy lessons, wouldn't you have to be happy to really experience the fullness of, of your gifts? So Francis, we we love talking about this topic. I always uh, am excited to talk about the happy dream because uh, that's our dream of non-judgment and it always comes back to guidance. Follow the guidance to get to the happiness. Yeah, that's our that's our plan. Yeah, I, I think this topic is so fitting, so fitting about the spiritual journey because I, I remember that when I first met David um, in 20, 2009, um, the first two-hour gathering that I went to, um, David was there talking about he, like, you know, the fruit of A Course in Miracles practiced with the Holy Spirit is that you can be happy consistently and without exception. And he said he hadn't had a bad day for 20 years. And it was very, very striking, very striking to, to have someone testify that. And I thought it was something I've never heard in the world. Doesn't matter what the promises were, nobody, no things can promise a happiness that is, that doesn't end. And, and I can say that just by truly following this, this pathway, um, in experience, this is truly the goal and the means. Happiness, happy learner, and happy dream is not only the means, but it's also the end. As we, you know, I also realize as I, I practice more and more, I realize I, I associate this word happiness solely now with the spirit and God. And it, it doesn't, it started to, not really have any association with the the world of images and what it can offer you know it, it only associate with with the spirit because it only comes from god and comes from spirit so so truly yeah as we give ourselves over to follow the voice for god holy spirit happiness is absolutely inevitable 
absolutely inevitable. So, <laughs> yeah, I like that line in the course too that happy dreams come true, not because they're dreams, but because they're happy. It's the state of mind that brings the happy dreams. The things you can't be sitting back and judging, oh, that's a good thing, that's a bad thing. Oh, that was a good day. Oh, that was a bad day. Oh, I had happy, good things happen to me today. And then, oh, another day I had bad things happen to me. That's all just judgment. And the happy dream is a state of non judgment. Jesus is not trying to say you're going to reach an egoic happy dream because ego is a death wish. How would a death wish know what happiness is? <laughs> you know, it, would have to, it would have to be fake happiness, false happiness, and that's a happiness based on outcomes that you have prejudged as good outcomes. So if you prejudge certain things as good, and you prejudge other certain things as bad, that when the good things seem to occur, you'll have pseudo happiness. And when the bad things occur, you'll have pseudo unhappiness. But pseudo is not reality. And uh, I've been sharing in the last couple of weeks about my friend Dorothy, who I met probably, I think around 1990. And I just had a call with her uh, somewhat recently. And, and she was having things happen to her body and memory that most people would say are bad things. I mean, you know, when I talk to people about Alzheimer's or dementia, they, they just shake their head. They go, oh, what a pity. What a pity. As if like losing your memory of things in the world is a bad thing uh, because you can't function. <laughs> David, they say you can't function. Well, I think uh, your mind is always active and your mind is, is in the heart of, of God and Jesus. So your mind is actually doing very well, even if you lose the memory of things of this world, you're still in good hands with the Holy Spirit. Because memories are not truth, memories are not reality. So dementia, uh, my grandmother had to, was diagnosed with dementia, she was quite happy, quite consistently happy, but she couldn't tell you who she had breakfast with, or she couldn't tell you what happened the previous three hours. And my friend Dorothy was the same way. She had was in an automobile smash up, uh, had a mangled foot, black toe, and um, she started to lose her memory of that she was a mother, that she had two children, that she, you know, where she was from, <laughs> England, she started to lose all that for a while. And then she started to little by little get little bits and pieces back. That's how she contacted me, because she saw my name on a book in the library <laughs> for A Course in Miracles. And she said to her helper friend, I think I know this guy. And then she eventually got in contact and we laughed for like two hours. But that laughter is based on a state of non-judgment. That that laughter is not based on a state of your body. It's not based on the state of your world in terms of your specifics. It's based on your point of view. Your interpretation of the world brings the happiness. So that's really what we want to talk about today because, you know, admit, admittedly, what Jesus teaches us in the Course is, is to the ego, it's extremely radical. For example, Jesus teaches that the body is a learning device. 
nothing more and nothing less. It's just, he's very common learning device. So the body that you think is yours is a learning device. The bodies of your brothers and sisters throughout the world, the 7.8 billion, they're all just learning devices to help your mind wake up. You may think that your body is different from the other bodies, but actually it's the same because your body is a learning device and the other bodies are learning device. You may, I see a, a pen and a marker here. You may think that you, your body's a pen and your brother and sister, they're a marker. They, they look different. You and your brother and sister look different, but a pen and a marker are both the writing devices. So in that sense, they're both learning devices. But what Jesus says is if you read meaning like lesson number two, I've given everything I see all the meaning it has for me. If you give your learning device the meaning of being a human being, breathing human being with organic processes in linear time, if you give it a personality and suddenly the puppet is no longer a puppet, but it's like Pinocchio, it's a real human being, and you give it real thoughts and real beliefs and a real private mind, you've suddenly assigned so many things from your mind to this learning device, and suddenly you've made it into something important. And then if this device seems to get famous, oh, or if it gets rich, ooh, or if it gets many skills, or if it's beautiful or sexy or smart, uh, then you see you've given a lot of meaning to this learning device, which is just an instrument, just a little tool for the mind to use to let go of the ego. That's all the body is. It's a learning device used by the Holy Spirit to let go of the ego and nothing more. And Jesus says this learning device can and often is over-evaluated. You know, if you're a mind, if you're a divine mind, you can't be a, a famous divine mind because there's only one mind. Who would you be famous to? <laughs> you can't really be rich because the divine mind is all that there is, so it's not rich or poor. You see, these are all just attributes that are given to the learning device to help you forget that it's a learning device so that the ego can convince you that this body is who you are, this personality is who you are. And you can't know happiness as long as you believe that you're something that you're not. If you forget your spirit and you start attaching all this meaning to the learning device, then you're not going to know the happy dream. You're just going to be hope, hoping to have more happy outcomes in the world. And Jesus says, there are no happy outcomes in this world. Lesson 128, the world I see holds nothing that I want. He's not trying to have give us hope for finding happy outcomes in the world. He's saying there are none, and I'm going to let you know that from the get-go. So for Francis and I, this this is our life. This is the, you know, you, you give way to the happiness, you give way to the guidance, but you don't evaluate body symptoms because what difference does it make if your learning device seems to have symptoms or not? It's still just a learning device. And Jesus goes even further and he says, 
Learning devices don't make mistakes. That's right, your body has never made a mistake, ever. Learning devices do not make mistakes. Mistakes, errors are in the mind, not in, don't blame your learning device. Don't say you are getting too old and you're too fat and you, you're, you're not intelligent enough and you're losing your memory. You see, if you keep blaming the, the learning device, and the learning device doesn't even make any mistakes. It's the judgments in the mind projected onto the learning device is where the errors occur. So this is like a deep metaphysical context for what we're talking about this weekend. I see Roland, Roland Ritter's there. He was concerned about his learning device or other learning devices. And if you can apply the workbook lessons equally to either one, of course you can. <laughs> a learning device is a learning device. If this, if it looks like this as your brother and this is you, you can apply the workbook lessons equally to both learning devices, you and the others, so to speak, you know, without problems, because that's that's actually what Jesus wants you to do. Make no exceptions <laughs> to the lessons. So, whew, fun, fun. <laughs> Chances we're we're in for a cooker this weekend. Yeah, it, it, I, I was just thinking when you were talking, I actually read a sentence in the course yesterday. Um, Jesus says, anytime that you, you put the body's betterment as your main um, primary goal, you bring death closer because that is what you're here to seek um, as identify with the body. It's like, whoa, anytime, because the way that we seek happiness, you know, before the course is all about seeking the betterment of the body, seeking the betterment of a self identity. And here Jesus said, learn from me and we're going 180 degree opposite direction. We're not going, trying to seek from that realm anymore. And here we're seeking for the freedom of the mind. You know, freedom of the mind comes from non-judgment. Freedom of the mind comes from forgiveness. Freedom of the mind comes from not making decisions for ourselves, but letting the spirit make decisions for God, for us every single day. And that is a day in and day out practice, a day in day out choice to aim for the freedom, freedom of the mind it's a it's a total opposite direction. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Francis and I were talking. Francis did a, a counseling call recently, and I've had a number of counseling calls where where people will kind of when you get into the counseling call and they feel all the love and acceptance, then they start to spill the beans of their their plan of awakening, and it it, it involves the future. I'm gonna. I'm going to finish my studies. I'm going to get a good job. And when I have a good, a good job and I, I'm financially sound and I have a good apartment or house and I have things, when things are right, when I have all the conditions in the world right, then I'm really going to open to the course and practice and live this course <laughs> in the future. You see, and I, I can re relate to that because that was my plan before the course came. I, I called the game that I played in my mind, I'll be happy when. 
And the I'll be happy when game is once my finances look this way, once my relationship status looks this way, once I have a stable, secure life in form, then Jesus, I will be ready to take your plan. Then I'm ready to be the happy learner. But until I get the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle in order, I'm not a happy learner. I'm a frightened learner. <laughs> I, I can only give you so much time, Jesus. I'll, okay, I'll do your lessons, but I got busy stuff to do, important stuff to do, because I've got to work it out on my own. I've got to survive and I've got to do the right things and make it. I have to make it in the world before I can do your course. Of course, it never worked. Uh, my game of I'll be happy when finally was intercepted by Jesus himself, where Jesus was like, no, no, listen, this game is getting you nowhere. You're like a hamster spinning your mind on the hamster wheel with I'll be happy when. And that's an ego game. If if not now, then when? You know, uh, like my friend Dorothy would say, so what about the past? Now what? Uh, and Jesus would say, yes, yeah, so what about the future? Now what? What about, are you going to follow me now? So Francis and I know from our own experiences and also from our counseling calls that oftentimes people say, well, I can't really give myself over to study and practice the course and understand what it's saying until the conditions are right. And then for some of you, you do reach a point where you feel the conditions are right. And then you try to study the course as if it's a textbook. And you think you're going to intellectually learn the course. Ha, ha, that is the biggest joke. To think that you're going to intellectually grasp a, a teaching device that is meant for you to let go of everything you know about the world. When you believe you'll reach a certain crescendo of, of study, and you'll suddenly go, ah, oh, I got it. I understand the course. I have achieved one of my goals in life. And then the angels all laugh and Jesus laughs. And then the next thing is, no, peace and understanding go together. And Jesus says, until you pass the test of perfect peace, you don't understand anything. Literally, you can't understand anything at all until you pass the test of perfect peace, because perfect peace is where spiritual transformation occurs. You know, it's in the peace of mind. It's not in intellectual understanding. I've been traveling and teaching the Course for over 30 years, and one of the most common things I hear is, well, I read this in the Course, I get that intellectually, but and I have stopped. Well, well, stop right there. Intellectually, but the the but cancels out <laughs> the intellectual understanding. How can you understand something intellectually and, and and put the word but after it? The word but literally cancels out what you just stated. So I said maybe we can quit the game of I get that intellectually, but I can't live it. Or uh, Helen Shuckman herself, the scribe of the course. She said, uh, I know the Course is true, but I don't believe it. <laughs> and, and Jesus says in the Course, this Course will be believed entirely or not at all. This is not, uh, you don't get points, brownie points, 
for understanding the metaphysics. It's your points come in your peace of mind that comes from the transfer of training of using the workbook and not making any exceptions. So that's what one of the things that Francis and I wanted to talk about is about this is like an invitation into a living experience of happiness, but it's it's not saying that you can just settle short. This isn't like a, a horseshoes where you get points for as close as the horseshoes land to the pin or what was that game jarts or you know you get in played jarts you get wherever the little the little thing lands closer to the 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 point then you get some points or even when you play darts like at a pub in in england you get more points for the closer you come to the bullseye it's not that way with the course of miracles you either hit the bullseye or you don't. And, and some of you know the Aramaic, uh, the Aramaic definition of the word sin is missing the mark. Isn't that a nice definition? Not some black mark on your soul that you'll pay for and burn in hell for. It's just that you miss the mark. If you miss the target of forgiveness, then you simply still are not reaching the happy dream because you still think, mm, I'm partially happy. <laughs> and Jesus is like, that's not God's will. God's will for you is perfect happiness. So partial happiness is not going to cut the mustard <laughs> in this case. you know, To the world, that would be good. I'm closer to the bullseye, but not, not in terms of what we're talking about. <laughs> we just love your presence and wow, we just reading over your questions and yeah, that's a big topic, happiness, like <laughs> you were saying, Francis. Not partial happiness, but consistent happiness is no small topic at all. Reminds me when Jesus says, dream softly of your sinless brother, dream of his kindnesses rather than the hurts that he gave. You know, he's always pointing us to that point of saying, you, your mind is where the happiness originates because God created you. And your happiness radiates out to everything and everyone. When you're happy, the whole world's happy. When you're not happy, then you're not going to see a happy world. And you, you may label some outcomes and events as happy, but you won't see it as consistently happy. Yeah, you can't, you can't with, with, with judgment in the mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we're here really to, yeah, just to, sh to share our gratitude and, you know, to, to really testify that this is possible and it it is the only thing that is truly effortless, actually being happy. <laughs> and anything else, being suffering, you know, holding on to attack thoughts, trying to reach an outcome in the world, trying to bring the personal effort, personal decision, it's so much against our nature. You know, when, when we reach the point to say, yeah, not a little bit, not bring the spirit to our lives, like 
keep the life as it is and bring the spirit. Just fix this area for me. I pray for the spirit to fix this area for me, fix that area for me. And instead, we, t- we take this leap of faith and to say, you know, I give you absolutely everything. My, the decision for the body, the decision for my relationships, the decision for my life, everything, how to use my time, how to use my mouth, how to use my word, diet, everything, everything is yours for this goal, unified goal of true peace of mind, true happiness. In that way, you can see how symbols in the world become to serve one unified goal. Every single thing start to come together to serve one purpose for the spirit. And in that way, you can truly relax because you will see that when you give the life and the dream to the spirit, it started to, like David used to say all the time, it started to take on this fairy tale quality because you started to see the spirit, the love, loving presence that is there in your mind started to reflect back in absolutely everything. And nothing is accident, nothing is coincident. It's all very much synchronized to serve this, this beautiful loving message and and that is where we can truly rest we can truly say oh wow i didn't know this oh wow this is how you wanted to teach me you know show me teach me becomes this prayer that we hold in our mind it's a very very different very very different frame of um thinking very different vantage point to look at everything that's for sure yeah yeah jesus uses all these beautiful metaphors for us and you may as you're working with the course you may think well i'll be satisfied if i if i can just end up a a relatively happy person because in this world you know if you take workshops or seminars or you you go on journeys, um, the goal of, of being a happy person is, is seems like a really good goal. A lot of people would say that that is a very high goal. But what Jesus is saying is your spirit, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So as you seem to become a happier and happier person, that's a good sign because your personality will say is just reflecting your inner glee, your inner happiness, your childlike wonder, your joy is reflected even through the body. You smile more frequently, Jesus says in the workbook. Your forehead is more serene. You see, he's still using the body symbols. You smile more frequently, your forehead is more serene. He's putting that in the workbook because he's saying, that's good. You're, you're moving in the right direction when you become more of a happy person. But then as you go much deeper, you will start to realize that even when you start to become a pretty much predominantly happy person, still people will seem to leave you in your life. Friends will fall away. Course in Miracles groups 
I remember I was with the Course in Miracles group in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was there for spiritual awakening. And I think uh, others were there, you know, they more of a social thing, you know, they, they enjoyed having potlucks and meals and, and one, I remember one Course in Miracles meeting where the spirit was ripping through me and we were going deeper and deeper and deeper. And suddenly, there was some food on a coffee table in front of us and everybody, we reached a point of such intimacy and such depth that people all plunged into the food to stuff their faces <laughs> because they were afraid of the spiritual experience that we were all having. They, they just, the ego just rushed the food, you know, because it was like, and then after that, the group seemed to split. Some of them said, we didn't come here to go for spiritual enlightenment. We just came here to study A Course in Miracles and have some, some chips and dip. <laughs> With, we didn't know there'd be a mystic in the, in the group. Hell, <laughs> what? We, we just wanted a nice little social group here. We don't want, we, we don't want mysticism. My God, that, that dismantles our whole world, you know. So they came to me and they said, what's happening? The group is fissuring, it's splitting into two. I said, it's all perfect. You know, everybody learns to their own capacity, their own readiness. Not everybody's ready to have their world dismantled and fall apart, and that's great. No, There's no one forcing us to dismantle the world. So I said, let the group study and have their chips and dip and do all that. And then if anybody really wants to go deeper, then we can we can go deeper. We don't have to try to maintain the structure of the course group, you know. And that's what happens with churches. There was a guy, there was a movie named Come Sunday where a, a pastor down in, I think it was Oklahoma, he was raised Pentecostal and he was preaching and teaching Oral Roberts and Pentecostal theology, heaven and hell, and you either go to heaven at the end of your life or you burn in hell. And then suddenly he had this huge epiphany that that there was no hell. And he had a big mega church down, down in Oklahoma with over 6,000 people in the congregation. But as soon as he started preaching, there is no hell. He was out. They wanted him out of that church. He had to go and, and form another church. I guess he jumped to, he jumped to another uh, denomination called Universalist. Uh, he went to the Universalists who didn't believe that that hell was a place where you burn in punishment, but basically he said, no, we go through hell. Hell is not a destination. We go through the hell of our own judgments, our own criticisms, and then we come into heaven. And he said, there is no hell as a destination. Well, that didn't go over well. He lost his congregation with that. But he, he advanced spiritually to what he needed to move into next, you see? And that's what we're doing in the Happy Dream Retreat. We're saying, keep advancing toward the truth. Don't compromise. Don't try to figure you have to balance your life between two things, because truth is one. If you follow your heart, you never have to compromise and you never have to do something for the sake of the world because there is no external world. It's just a, a belief. It's a projection of beliefs. And we want you to not compromise in the least bit so that you can achieve and experience this natural happiness that comes from 
from being non-compromising. And I think that's what you were doing, Francis, in your counseling call, where you were just basically saying, don't wait for the future. If you're not happy now, look at why you're not happy now. Don't don't think the future is going to solve that that uh, problem. Yeah, I mean, this uh, this girl that I had a counseling with, she was already six years into this um, undergrad and then postgraduate program in majors that she just had absolutely no inspiration, no motivation to study, but push herself to the point she was about to graduate now. At the finishing line, she said, all that she could do because it was so unmotivating, it was going through the motions and very depressing. She just asked the spirit to help her pass the exam one after the next. Then the final one facing her graduation, she failed. So there was nothing she can do to get herself graduate. And she's, she called me, she said, why? I prayed for Jesus to help me graduate, to pass the exam. That's, I can't do it anymore. And after six years, I'm at the finishing line and I failed. I, I have to, I don't know what to do now. I said, what, what's the prospect if you did um, graduate? She said, I would get onto this nine month internship program. I thought, wow. And for something that you hate to do for the major that you can't even get yourself to study one more hour, she's like, yeah, but it can get me some money at least so that I can study the course after work. I said, well, consider this an intervention instead of a failed answer to your prayer because something needs to crack here. You know, that's what David and I both see and in our own lives. And, and we were talking about this morning. Sometimes the falling apart in our world is not a curse. It's truly is truly a blessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You start to see that uh, that's that's uh, that's a line from the movie The Nines, uh, where the blonde woman says, "You know, this this is not a murder. This is an intervention." <laughs> but we tend to judge things in our external world that we believe in as being going wrong or being tragedies and horrible things happening that derail us from our life's purpose. But, but in truth, there are no external events that are derailing us from our life's purpose. It's, our, it's the meaning that we're giving to these external events that is derailing us from our purpose. So we hold all the cards. You know, Jesus says that in the workbook. He says, even in this world, it is I who rule my destiny. What happens is what I, I desire. And what does not occur is what I do not want to happen. Our mind is so powerful that we can set up events and circumstances that we interpret as things going wrong. I'm a failure. I'm worthless. I'll never be there. You know, we set ourselves up. Our own mind sets it up by believing in the ego. And then we put all these unrealistic goals and unrealistic self-concepts uh, as, our, as our goal for the future, not realizing that they're all preventing us from accepting who we are right now in this present moment. That 
That's why Jesus says in the I need do nothing section, he actually says, if you want to really show me your allegiance, then just do this one thing for me. And I'm all ears, you know, what is it? What's the one thing you want from me? I need do nothing. Say it, mean it, believe it, and save yourself countless years of misery by just accepting that you are perfect right now. It's, it's a state of mind that's always available to be accepted. It's not like it's, it's, a, it's somewhere you got to go chase it down. It's here and now. And, and the beauty thing, I think the beautiful thing I've experienced in Francis is that once we stop and we stop all the trying to prop up the stories and prop up the image and attain something more and add another skill to our resume and all that craziness, once we stop, then everything gently leans to us. You don't have a place to stay, a friend calls and says, here, why don't you come and stay with me? You, you don't have food, somebody says, here. When I traveled, I, I literally traveled so much, I did, oftentimes didn't have any food and, and people would say, well, here, have lunch. Or they, they, before I would leave their house, they would pack me a little brown bag and say, here's a banana and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and some cookies, please take it. And so people started giving me things that were helpful to me, where my level of awareness was, but I just had to learn to be generous and say, thank you. Just say, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that is offered to me because Jesus was telling me it's coming from me. It's not from the people. I'm, I'm helping your mind through this awakening process. So you just receive that. And what Francis and I, we've, I mean, we've done so many world travels, but I remember that one time we went to China, Francis, and they were like setting up a tour of three cities, I think um, Beijing and and Shanghai, and uh, we were going to that uh, resort island too down there off the coast. And they arranged everything. They arranged the travel. They arranged the hotels we would stay in. We were laughing so hard because they were sending us photographs of different hotel rooms and asking us which hotel room we wanted to sleep in. And, and they arranged everything, uh, this whole tour. In fact, one of them, I remember, had, had the bathroom, the, the commode uh, was out in the middle of the room. And you said, I am not staying in a room where there's no bathroom with doors, you know, like a, a, a commode out in the middle. And we burst into laughing watching these things because everything was provided for us effortlessly. And yet we were still laughing about what, what we would not accept. <laughs> we would say, no, that's too much. That's a, uh, we're all for transparency and we're all, we're all for no private thoughts, but having the commode in the middle of the room with, with no surroundings, Francis, like I draw the line. <laughs> I draw the line right there. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was totally mind blowing. I mean, the, the beginning because, you know, even when I first, I feel like when I first started to, to to make the decision to come, um, you know, throw basically all the the things that I built up in my life, throw it away, 
start fresh, start anew, take a leap of faith where there is no seeming paved road. And I love listening to, to David talking about how the spirit knocks his socks off basically on his travels. And that I, I listened to that recording over and over again, just at the beginning, it was just wanting to make sure I will be taken care of because the, the, the change of the mentality was so vast because growing up thinking I have to take care of myself or you end up on the street to the spirit will take care, of, take care of you. And someone even said, I don't know how to love a God that I can't see. And that is, isn't that, you know, something the spirit is invisible, but spirit said, but my fruit is visible. So make sure that you will see my fruit by, by, by the fruit you will, you will know me. And that is why this journey is, is not a study of the book because we want to give over all our lives decisions to the spirit to make so that we can see his fruit. We can see that truly, you know, the spirit's loving presence is here in our mind, is reflected in everything, is taking care of us, is making decisions for us. And all our own decisions are made based on a wrong identity. They're all hurtful without exception. So this is a, a, you know, a walk of a walk of trust, a walk, a walking path. We, we it's not an intellectual path. It's not. We can't separate that. We can't separate forgiveness journey and, of course, in miracles, from what we do, as um, a major part of our lives, because that will just, you know, we can only receive the benefit as a little bit. We we can't really know the spirit as a living presence that's here 24 7. yeah so then you just you start to trust and once you have some of these experiences of just trusting and things dropping to you it would be like if you thought i i'm really hungry right now and suddenly a a, a whole group of of grapes were dropped right in front of your nose and you you plucked a grape and you ate it and you went, fantastic. I was just thinking I'm hungry and now a whole clump mm. of grapes come to me. Uh, but I use that as an example because I can tell you for the last 30 years of my life, that's exactly how it goes. It's not like you have to figure out how it's going to happen. All you have to do is want it to happen. Your mind is so powerful you know, you can do more than manifest, you you can actually create with your mind, you can create like in heaven, your mind can create pure creations that are purely spiritual, and that's its full capacity. It's, it's actually, it was created by God to be a creator of spirit. So you have spiritual creations in heaven. And on earth, manifesting is like nothing. You know, I remember listening to Wayne Dyer and, and, uh, Ram Das and, and uh, Deepak Chopra talking about the power of manifesting. And of course, there's famous mystics throughout history, like Sai Baba is a famous one from India who would manifest bracelets and jewelry for people out of thin air, you know, boom, one minute 
they don't have if they're a hand and then the next minute there's a ring and there's a, there's a bracelet on it but that's the power of our mind of course it can generate form uh, because that's how it the ego is the belief in form so if you if you can master your mind if you can come back to the point of course it can manifest it's not the end goal the end goal is to be happy <laughs> and to create like god creates but for example um in the last few days um Slava was talking to me and she said yeah this is a nice house but there's there's not really any room i i i have all these gifts that want to come through i want to compose music i want to sing i want to record i want to do art i, I need paint i need easels paint brushes paints music uh, guitar stands and this and this there's just no place in this small place uh, to do it so she was open to uh, something coming in. Then she said, she came to me and she said, Jesus has put this in front of me. And I said, what is it? She said, it's a travel trailer that will give me the space to do the things I want. Where is it? It's in Peyton, Utah. I said, Peyton? Peyton, Utah. I have to check that. Where is that? Oh, it's about two hours and five minutes from where we are. So ends up, she hops in a truck with with Kirsten and Richard, and off they go to Peyton. And the only thing she would tell me was there's a, an Italian man selling this little travel trailer, this uh, little 20, 22 foot uh, travel trailer. So I said, great. And he, he doesn't speak any English. No, his, his daughter, his maybe teenage daughter will translate for him. Okay, well, great. So off they go. They come back with the trailer. I said, how was the Italian man? Oh, he wasn't Italian. It was a Mexican family. <laughs> they had this wonderful time with his Mexican family who knew about Puerto Vallarta. They knew about Ajijic. And they had this beautiful encounter of all the memories that they shared with their children growing up, taking this travel trailer for things. They had a beautiful day full of holy encounters and came back with uh, a travel trailer. That's how it works. When, you, when you're just in alignment to serve Jesus and you're just in alignment to let the gifts and the fruits come through you, you don't have to be concerned about the specifics because just for her having the thought of, I need a space, was enough. And then Jesus dropped in like the grapes, like the clump of grapes. <laughs> Here it is. This is the one. It's two hours away, Peyton and you have a beautiful holy encounter and you'll come back and it was in a whole day full of miracles and and joinings and and encounters imagine that that's the way your life is where you don't have to be so concerned about the specifics so concerned about survival of the body as how am i going to share my joy today jesus how would you have me shine my light and share my joy if that becomes your primary thought your primary prayer, Jesus says in the Course, and he said it in the Bible, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all else shall be added unto you. In the Course, he basically says, if you put the Holy Spirit's purpose up front, the Holy Spirit will, will give you everything you need to fulfill the purpose and will renew it as long as it's necessary, but the Holy Spirit would not have you linger in time. In other words, you may go through this phase of manifesting things, which I've seen happen in my life for the last 30 years, but 
but it, it's not a focus. I'm not waking up in the morning like, okay, what am I going to manifest today? You know, what do I want to manifest? I don't even think of it that way. I'm just, okay, what, how would you have me shine my light today? What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? You know, that's the prayer of your heart is like, how can I extend your love and light? And then you let Jesus arrange the, arrange the props like this uh, turned into a Mexican family, not Italian at all. I don't know where the Italian part came in actually, but it was a, a lot of fun and everything worked out effortlessly because of the purpose. And that's why the Holy Spirit needs a happy learner, because if you're in the place of wanting to give like God gives, then everything you need in form to give as God gives will be provided effortlessly. But if you're in the ego's position of getting, how am I going to get this? How am I going to get that? How am I going to maintain this once I get it? You know, or how am I going to repair this? If your life gets into that kind of getting mode, then that's not the joy of heaven. That's just, it gets into survival. Then you feel like you're a human being trying to just survive from day to day. And that is just not who we are. That's just tiny. <laughs> That's just the tiniest thing. Even though many of us, we, we did give a lot of our lives over to that tininess, there comes a point where we say, enough of the tininess. I'm ready for some joy and happiness. And I'm ready to let you, God, be in charge. I'm ready to let you direct the way. You tell me what to do and let me experience the ease of the of going with the flow and and that to me that's that's everything that's absolutely everything yeah yeah and even just uh, with the counseling call i had yesterday i really see that spirit does come through he does inter intervene when you know when things you know you're, you're going so much in one direction in terms of purpose not in, not in terms of form, but in terms of underlying purpose, you can't wind yourself out of this purpose that that's causing your pain, then the spirit and Jesus does come through. So it feels very comforting, even for me to just witness, you know, spirit does not wait for you to be reaching a point. The spirit is here, like on call anytime when our mind can can be still for a moment, just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, does this serve me? What is this for? Spirit comes straight in and, you know, use absolutely everything to redirect our mind. So that is, you know, in itself is a very, very happy news that we actually have a guide that's guiding us on, along this way of happiness. It's a, it's a fact, happiness is is here you know it's just is the spirit is is here all the time to say just give your mind over to me let me tell you how to look at everything how to interpret everything and uh, that's what i think it's it's really the hap the most happy thing is that it's not in the future it doesn't take our effort it's right here right now yeah yeah, I think it's, 
I've, Jesus has already given us our movie for uh, tomorrow, and it's really sublime. It's a sublime movie. But I look at my own life in the parable of David, and I, like the woman that Francis was counseling, uh, yeah, I reached a point of 10 years full time of university, struggling to complete my uh, master's thesis, uh, struggling with, with um, certain uh, different coursework that was getting into legalities and things that I had no interest at all in. And then uh, Jesus just saved the day. Jesus just pulled off the rescue. He just came in and he said, you are going to seem to fail at what you've been pursuing for 10 years, but I've got you. Now, this is not going to be the end. This is going to be the beginning. I'm going to take you soaring to heights of happiness. So don't be putting too much of your effort on judging yourself as a failure when you don't get this master's degree, because I am intervening here uh, because you, I have a calling for you to accept for the whole world. And believe me, this master's degree you've been pursuing and building towards, it's, it's not necessary. I'll take care of you. You don't need the things that the master's degree would seem to provide you know, a, a degree opening doors for jobs and everything. He said, when you work for me, uh, you'll, you'll feel the fruits and the benefits immediately in your heart. This is not a long term, catch me in 20 or 30 years happiness. This is I'll, I'll take you into happiness immediately if you follow me right now. And so I said, Okay, I'm, I'm willing to do that. The movie tomorrow, the two main characters in the movie, a man and a woman, they, their whole world falls apart for each of them. Their world crashes, they hit rock bottom, they, they, they kind of go on a date when they're both in deep devastation. They go on a date and the date doesn't even seem to go well, but it doesn't matter because Jesus has got them. <laughs> even when they're, they're crashing down and they're experiencing the worst day of their life, Jesus knows they're more cracked open and ready for something new. And then he brings them together and there'll still be steps they have to go through, but we'll watch it in the movie. But that's why we're going to see that movie, because you can see that you do have to crack, you have to crack open and you have to reach some kind of rock bottom or disillusionment with the way the things have gone before you can be lifted up out of the darkness. If you've been pursuing ego goals, ego self-concept goals, then Jesus is just waiting to arrange a crack. So, so the light can come streaming in through the crack. And as the ego will perceive this as devastating. The ego will say, this, this is that these characters won't even say it's the worst day of their life, even though they're feeling it's the worst day of their life. They would never even admit it. They're too proud. But, but the spirit will use the crack to lift them up higher into divine love, towards true love. And that's what the happy dream's about. It's not, it's not about saying, what things do I necessarily have to do to be happy? It's more like, Am I willing to quit protecting the beliefs and thoughts in my consciousness that have brought me misery? If I'm just willing to not protect them, Jesus says, great, you did your part. 
<laughs> you, you stop defending and protecting. Watch me and the angels get in there and watch us lift you in a, in a quick way. Just because you stopped protecting and defending, just because you cracked open and you quit trying to play this game of I'll be happy when with all these crazy ideas, then the light comes streaking through the crack and and up you go, up your mind goes way up, way, you know, in a hurry is the way I my experience has been. Yeah. Well, I, I think, Francis, have we reached the point of it's like we're an hour in here, maybe um, we can open it up. I, we love these interactions and we have been um, receiving your prayers and your uh, questions here, but we usually we use, uh, we use Sunday morning to do kind of an extended Q&A, but this is kind of our time to get to know each other. If, if you're, you're new and you've never been in one of these Zoom rooms with us, we would love to hear from you. You could introduce yourself. You can share what your prayer of the heart is. And we, we're paying attention to all the prayers and questions, but probably, I think after the movie uh, tomorrow, you'll be, you'll be cracked open a lot wider after the movie and the commentary. And then um, you'll have an expression session where you can pour it all out with your mighty companions and then and Pete will do a Q&A. And then uh, Sunday, uh, Francis and I will just take that even deeper uh, for the cracking open. So what do you think, Francis? Shall we open it up and, and have these holy encounters with our beloved brothers and sisters around the world? <laughs> sure, sure. We already have some hands up. So yeah, we can go with uh, David to start with. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi, La Casa de Milagros. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Fabian, you made it back. Beautiful, brother. Um, I just, I, I need to share a miracle, which is pretty huge. Uh, when I was at mystery school, you know, the question for me was, what am I going to do next? And I had uh, shared that we have a big piece of property in Northern Michigan that we've been trying to sell. So I was praying, I heard about Vicki's miracle on her way home to Toronto. So I just gave it over to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I'm going to make you the realtor. It's been on the market for a year. It had, it's, it's been in the family 130 years. So it's an older farmhouse. And so I said, you be the realtor, you find the perfect buyer at the perfect price. And I let it go. Well, I got home on Friday, April 15th at four o'clock. And at five o'clock, the realtor called. And we had taken our house off the market. We were gonna keep it, sell 30 acres and keep the house. So the house wasn't on the market. And he says, yeah, we've got somebody that's interested in your property. And oh, by the way, they'd like to know if you'd be willing to sell your house too. So that was Friday, Monday morning, they came up, husband and wife with two four-year-old uh, twins, boy and a girl, which is ironic because I have a twin sister. And the realtor wanted me to be here because of the historic value of the house and the documentation we have and so on. So I got to learn a lot about them. Just sweet, beautiful people that want to do what we'd prayed for, like do some more farming with the land, like a, a vineyard. This is everything they want to do. And turns out they're ending up 
going to give us more than we had offered. So they're the perfect buyer. Or the, well, we had listed anyhow last year, perfect buyer at the perfect price. And it was just like that. So, you know, like you said, David, <laughs> crack open a little bit and the light comes streaming through and it did. And so now it's, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, lot of things coming up that I have to deal with, you know, from the ego standpoint of, you know, it's a pretty, pretty large influx of money, which is great, but now it's, it's about, I was talking with Eric about it, about stewarding it towards awakening. So we'll see, but uh, it's pretty exciting. And I just, you know, wanted to share how fast Jesus worked. So thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you David. How beautiful. Some of you have read Absence from Felicity, you know that that Helen Shuckman had this happen so many times for her that she started to refer G to Jesus as the higher shopping service. So, uh, but he he not only does shopping, uh, individualized shopping, he's a very good realtor too. <laughs> he he because he wants us to open our minds for the our purpose of forgiveness. So he's helping us handle the things that need to get handled. And, you know, to the world, that makes no sense. You know, well, they'll say, it's a, that's a coincidence, or, oh, David was so lucky, but this is not coincidence, and this is not luck. This is actually practical application. And you heard Vicky's story, and you said, well, let's give it a go. All right, Jesus, you're the realtor now, and you're in charge. And then this, this that's the miracle. That's how the miracle works. So thank you. Thank you, David. <laughs> thank you. Oh, beautiful, sweet. I see we have Jagita next. Hi, everyone. Blessings. Hi, hi. The course is giving me so much peace and joy, and I'm so willing to give my life to spirit. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. The only time when I not feel so great and i know this is um i, I that's why I, I want to ask this question is when i read um jesus words about saving time and this is being mentioned a lot in the course and i still make a lot of mistakes obviously i'm still in the process of undoing the ego and i feel so much guilt when i read those words because Saving time or choosing to save time, um, it obviously, to my unhealed mind, is it, it just sounds like a choice, like an effort. Meanwhile, I, my heart really wants to believe that any given moment, I am doing already the best. I am... Um, Every moment already includes my best effort and I don't have to <laughs> blame myself or guilt myself for not doing enough because I do know that I still have moments where I'm not behaving in, a, in a, the most beautiful way and I'm uh, asking for forgiveness and of course I then have to forgive myself first of all. So I really feel so much peace when I remember from all of your teachings and from the course also that um, we cannot make a mistake and the script is already written and our decisions are involuntary and our choices are involuntary and um, 
really, yeah, I just feel so much peace when I, when my heart says that awakening is a natural process where I'm not asked for any effort. It's really effortless and natural, which means I am not the one making the choice. So where does saving time come in? Can you please explain me what Jesus means? Because obviously he didn't mean to say this to feel, to make us feel guilty. Can you help me to understand this better or to just, to, <laughs> I want to feel that peace in my heart throughout, no matter, no matter what I do. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jagita. Yeah, that's so beautiful that, yeah, really another, another, set of words for saving time, a synonym for saving time is, uh, I'll also say time collapse. So that's why it's called A Course in Miracles, because the miracle collapses time. It's not saving, and a lot of times we uh, associate saving with, with guilt, because much of our theology, even um, salvation as taught in traditional Christianity is, you know, you have Jesus was the savior and he had to pay the ultimate price and pay the ultimate sacrifice and blood of the lamb, you know, for the rest of everyone else. He had to take all the sins of the world on him in order for them to be uh, taken away. That's not at all what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching us that as we relax into going with the flow, we, we relax into the being present in the moment and letting our intuition really take over our mind, uh, then F miracles come in a, in a very relaxing, easy way. And, and he does tell us that, he says, when you have learned how to decide with God, all uh, steps become as easy and as right as breathing, and it will be as if you are carried down a quiet path in summer. All decisions become as easy and as right as breathing. Because for most human beings, they consider breathing very natural. It's, it's not even a conscious thing. They're not consciously aware of their in-breaths or their out-breaths. It's just, it's just a natural rhythm uh, that goes on. And it's, we're sustained. Even as human beings, it's part of the sustenance. So, the thing that you have to loosen from is, is basically there's an unconscious belief in sacrifice that's at the base of the ego's belief system. And because it's so buried, it just comes out as guilt. So even when you read a word from Jesus or a couple words about saving time, he's just saying, no, you know, there had to be a plan that would relieve you of guilt. And the, the easiest plan, the most gentle plan there could be is one that collapses time and keeps collapsing time so that in the end you, you really see that it's all simultaneous, that, that we don't have parallel lives going on and parallel things. It seems complicated when you look at linear time and history, but when you come to this beautiful alignment called the present moment and, and your intuition you realize that your intuition has got it and that your body has never made wrong choices or right choices and that your body has never done things wrong or right. It's, it's just a learning device. It's just uh, there to help your mind 
reclaim the innocence, reclaim the joy, the, the happiness. So yeah, that's it. You're right on track exactly where you seem to be. Um, and then miracles just start to, to light the way. I mean, for Francis and I, we've we've just seen so many, I call them practical miracles, where things get handled in such an easy way that we know that it has to be the spirit. There's no way a human being could conceive of such gentleness and such ease as as what happens. So yeah, you don't you don't have to think about it. Whenever you think of it in terms of Jirgita or a person, then that's where the temptation to feel guilt comes in. And and Jesus says it cannot be difficult to do the task that Christ appointed you to do, for it is he who does it. In the end, we've never done anything right or wrong, and we never will. Uh, we don't We don't have to play the game of, of trying to be goody two-shoes or be the spiritual master. Uh, there's a, a woman from another spiritual tradition that some of us all know of, Sanatam Kaur, uh, her beautiful music, and I, I flipped on Facebook a couple days ago, and she said, oh, she was crying with a lot of other women because her her guru, her master had abused all these women and all these different things. And, and she was going through all of them a great healing because she had her master put up on such a high pedestal, who could do no wrong. And, and yet still, even with that, the script is written and it's just about us letting go of the, the concept of wrongdoing and abuse. God didn't create abuse. God doesn't create mistreatment. God doesn't create, uh, you know, anything like uh, rejection, abandonment, deception. God is not the creator of deception. The ego is the deception. But we have to really relax and, and let the spirit go before us and guide us intuitively to find our way out of that belief. Because that belief seems to have projected a cosmos <laughs> that's a tricky uh, cloaking device. It's a very tricky cloaking device. As long as you believe it's real, it's very tricky to navigate. And once you start to have these miracles that collapse time, they, you start to laugh more often. And you laugh and you laugh and you laugh because you see that nothing has ever really gone wrong. Uh, it was just the beliefs that it had gone wrong. So you're, you're right on track. And yeah, it's a common thing when people read the course, because they feel like they should be doing more. Uh, you know, that's probably the oldest trick in the book, the ego <laughs> tries to take such a beautiful awakening uh, process and turn it into, I could have done more, I should have done more. I, sh I should be doing something differently than I'm doing. And when when we get a prompt, if we're ever guided to go somewhere or do something, it's it's a strong intuitive prompt. You know, we we know we need to say yes to it when it happens. But in the meanwhile, you know, we smell the roses, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the fragrance, smell the roses, smell the flowers. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay, I think we have Elisa next. Hi, hi, Elisa. 
Um, so <laughs> I have a lot to say here about what I'm going through and what I am experiencing. Um, as I was listening to, to what you were saying, and that at this point, <laughs> I don't even know if there, I have to be honest and say, I don't even know if there is a God or Jesus or spirit. I just don't know at this point because I don't, I don't, I'm not experiencing it. And if I ever experience something similar to a great presence or some peace, it has just been a matter of not even minutes, but seconds, and then it would just go away very fast. And it, it's happened one or two times in the last, in my whole life. And since I started this path, which it's been two years, it's only happened that, you know, two times. And then I was, and then you said some, you said that uh, God needs happy learners. And, uh, and I wrote this down because I thought, how do you expect me to be happy when my whole life is chaos and you don't seem to listen to my prayers? And, um, and, and I, 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 I don't know what to believe. I, I don't want to believe. I, I want to know. Um, like I, I was listening and, and, and many things were making sense to me. Like I could relate to many things that you said, like, um, you know, I have to take care of myself, myself or I'll end up on the streets. And I can totally relate to that because that's how it's been my whole life. I mean, I, I've been working since I was 17 years old and that has been the only source of income or the only way that I would get money to buy whatever. And, uh, and now I'm not working because I can't stand this job. I just can't. But then I'm like, okay, now what is going to happen? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not seeing any miracles happening as far as finances or another job, or I, I was even praying, hey, can you please bless me? When I was believing that there was a God, <laughs> I was praying a lot and I was like, can you bless me with a job that I actually enjoy or love? And then it can also be a source of income so I can stop worrying about all this, but it hasn't come. And I have not been working since April 14th. And now there is even this situation with the manager, with the interpreter manager, I, I think I shared this, um, you know, I, he sent me an email. Um, there were like attacking me. It was like an attack. And, and because there had been some complaints at work, I would say very stupid complaints. Like they, they are very stupid. And I just sent him an email expressing how I felt like, like these complaints are not justified. And then he responded to me, like attacking me. And he even said, oh, why don't you start your own company? Like, if you think, you know, um, you should start your own company. And, you know, I was like, wow. I, and I didn't respond to that email because I wanted to, I was like, I want to be at peace. I don't want to keep, you know, going back and forth with this. But seemingly he wanted me to have a call with him and the QA manager in order to keep working in this job that I actually can't stand. <laughs> 
but that's the only thing I have. I still haven't sent that email. I'd, I have no clue what to do because I don't want to apologize out of fear just to get that job back that I don't actually even like. But I, at the same time, I'm not working. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Like I'm in this apartment and you know, I share with you, David, that in the past, I was afraid of ending up living in a box on the streets. <laughs> and you said, well, uh, Jesus gave you this, this very nice box, like this apartment. And I'm like, well, I don't even know how long am I going to be here because I don't have money to pay for this month's rent. And my bank statement is due in May too, May 20th. And I have no money to pay for that and I'm still not working and I have no idea what to do I'm afraid that I'm gonna end up on the streets maybe not on the streets but maybe at my mother's house again and I, I that's not what I was so the thing is that I am I'm doubting a lot I'm, I'm sorry I just have to be honest I'm doubting a lot I'm I doubt there is actually a God or Jesus or the spirit because I don't feel them in my life and it's not that I have not been calling out to them I've been calling out to them like every day, a lot of times during the day, and I'm not seeing anything. Like, well, and my family is telling me, you have, you better send that email and <laughs> apologize. You have to work. My mother is like, what are you going to live? Are you going to expect others to give to you? What, what kind of life is that? And she doesn't even know that I was thinking of asking for, 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 for support. But I couldn't. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's let me address some of those things to you then, because this this is a classic example of the crack I was talking about, where from the ego's perspective, things are looking darker and more dismal. Uh, things are going down. It's like the, you're on the Titanic, and somebody has said, "This ship is at a very strange angle," and then the person next to you says, "It's going down. Um, it's going down." But th this is the kind of cracks, like for, for me, when, when graduate school went away after I was, had been in university for 10 straight years, that was a big crack. It was going down. And I would walk in, in my meditations and prayers and I'd be like, this is, it's going down. And then it needed to go down. It needed to crack and dismantle. When you were talking, I thought, wow, Jesus must have just picked the movie we're showing tomorrow just for you. Because the main character is you, you, you. You are young and attractive. Reese Witherspoon plays a character. She's young and attractive. You've worked for years, and she's worked for years in her career. And suddenly, without warning, her career is taken away from her, and she has lived for this career. Uh, she's, she's lived for it more than, more than even relationships. She's had her relationships and like you've told me about, you know, your relationship and everything, but but the career has been the thing that's kept you afloat, your self-concept floating. But you're going to have to watch how Reese goes through this because everything's going to get taken away from her. And, and the only difference is you don't particularly like what you do for a living. She even likes what she was doing for a living and it's still cracked. Still, the spirit came slicing in there to take it away. And Francis and I know, Francis 
has to go, had to go through lots of cracks. Uh, owning her own business, that had to crack. Uh, her husband relationship, marital relationship with Tim, that had to crack. Home ownership, that had to crack. Some of the things the world would say are very positive things to have in this world. Uh, Francis can share, you know, it wasn't like they were really being taken away from her. It's just that that she was starting to value something else in her heart. And these things were, were more impediments for her to reach her heart's desire. And then they, they kind of just dissolved away and disappeared without her having to put a huge effort into it. But maybe you can share that, Francis, because things do seem to fall away that are part of our self-concept and, and they actually need to fall away to make room for what's coming. And we'll see this in the movie with both main characters too. Very much so. And I'm so grateful right now, looking back, that I, I didn't have to be put in the position to decide because it decided for me. Where in a way, maybe the mind reached a point that is ready to let go of something. The form reflects that is letting go. And it, it's very, it's the most uncomfortable time is when things started to crack because there was no past references and uh, there was a, a, a f um, you know, a pseudo security that we, you know, with those things you, you feel like, yeah, it's not amazing, but it's, it's, it's secure. I can, I, I get accustomed to that. But when that is suddenly be taken away, it was a, what is happening? You know, what is happening? And for, for myself, it took quite some time. It took years for me to, to really watch everything that seemed to work or I have invested all my life to build up to start it to, to, to crack. And um, yeah, it, it felt at the time very, very disorientating. But I have to say it served some purpose as well. First of all, it, it stops the ship from going one direction, that's for sure. The, the ship or the train that has a huge momentum to turn 180 degrees, you have to slow it down and stop first. So that was like, a hold, yeah, it's it kind of a, a slow down and stop for one thing. But another thing was, oh my God, the amount of emotion that rises up when <laughs> when the security and the things I built up to protect the emotions started to fall away, how much beliefs and emotions darkness has to be um, faced and eventually make way for, for the authentic intuition to rise up, for me to be honest, to reach the point to say, I'm honestly, this is not working and I'm, I'm open to anything that would work to come to my life. So that was a very much a sorting out phase now looking back to, to, to see. And I feel like I can honestly say to anybody that's going through that phase, it's a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing that your life is not together the way it used to be. It's a huge blessing that you are put in this point that decision is made for you and accept that allow the emotions to to rise up to be faced allowing yourself to yeah just to to face whatever it believes but but also 
Um, I think for, for myself, and I hear David's parables as well, I think when David at the end of his 10 year education, he, he, you said you went to the park and really spent a lot of time just contemplating with the spirit. And this is a precious, precious time to, to actually stop the momentum and really going inward and focus on these little bubbles of joy that you described, no matter how small it is, really focus on that. I'm, I'm going to focus on that. And oh my God, even Jesus in the course saying, even just a glimmer that you taste with these lessons, it benefits the whole world for a thousand years. So don't ever estimate this little happiness that we can ever allow ourselves to tap into. And that's what I was noticing, like really, you know, the most contemplative time in my life was that time, was just lighting myself to have a huge change of pace, huge change of purpose, going inward. And it, bent, it lays the foundation, I have to say, it kind of laid the foundation for all the following decisions we are to make in this spiritual journey, because that was a huge decision to to allow things to fall apart and not fight for it. Yeah. yeah, thank you. We've got a lot we have to go through here, Lisa, because we we just have a little window of time today and I've got things I have to do today. But I'll just add real quickly too that a friend wrote to me recently just saying, wow, how did you study A Course in Miracles for on the average for eight hours a day? She said, after like two hours, I have huge resistance coming up and uh, she said, what did you do? And I just said, well, my world had fallen apart, basically, and I just followed what the spirit was giving me. I, I saw the, the, I felt like I was drowning and the spirit threw me a, a life jacket and a, 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 an inner tube. I was bobbing around in the ocean and, and the course was like, like a, a life raft. And, and so for me, when I hopped in that life raft, I, I would, go as strongly as I could to use what was given me. And I guess I was really open and ready because it happened those eight hours a day. But that was just the beginning too. That just was, there was much more to come, but I was willing to just use what was given me and pour my whole heart into it. And, and my state of mind was very choppy. You know, it was like, uh, oh yeah, just, ended my career as in, in school and now I have no idea what's coming next, but I'm going to dive in. So I think you'll, the movie will give you some insights tomorrow too. I think you'll, you'll see through the actions. So thank you. Thank you, Elisa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is it Julia we have next? Hi, David. Hi, Francis. So grateful to be here. Um, I want to try to be as succinct in my question as I can. It has to do with physical illness and, and relationship of the body. Um, so my life was going seemingly great. I chose to go live in an ashram for a year, totally divinely guided by profound synchronicity. Um, became a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, and at the end of that time, I won't get into the details. I became, uh, suddenly after, after 
two months in India, um, very ill after having been very healthy. And my life was completely devoted to awakening and spirit. And um, I was supposed to be going to India to live and serve the Swami that was the head of the ashram who had invited me. And I got what I thought was extremely clear guidance, um, very, um, very synchronistic guidance not to go, that I was sort of chasing something like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz and, you know, India was Oz and I, I was seeking something outside myself and I got this guidance to stay and that what I was seeking was within me and that I was looking to kind of spiritually bypass, you know, my humanity and, and everything. And so I, it felt like a very courageous decision, but I felt totally inner guided. And within a month of that, I became chronically ill. And it's only just been on the physical level. It's only just been finally diagnosed what it is. And there's this whole elaborate protocol and everything that I'm supposed to be doing because um, it's a biotoxin illness. And I, I'm, I'm very much, I mean, I realize that everything is body, mind, it's body, mind, spirit. I, I know that that is one. I know that ultimately all healing has to come from the mind. My question is around, um, I mean, I'm at the point where I can barely function often during the day and I'm needing, you know, I have a friend who like dropped her life and came to sort of help me and help me figure out where I'm going to live and what I'm going to do. And my question is around, um, you know, there's thousands of dollars in medical tests and doctor's fees and diagnoses and protocols and infrared saunas and like money I don't currently have. Um, I mean, I know it can come from anywhere, but like, I guess it's, it's, you know, we don't ingest gasoline. We, we, the law of gravity, if you go off a building, the body will fall to the ground. We need sleep. So it seems to me that there's some right relationship of caring for the body, not from like form on form, not from fixing the outcome, but, um, feels like there's something I'm supposed to be doing here in regard to the body, not, you know, because it's like, it's a, it's an illusion it's an illusion that abides by laws of gravity and et cetera. So I, I'm finding myself confused about that. And I'm, I'm very, last thing I'll say is I'm, I'm so deeply called to go to the, the mystery school in June. I've only had three other callings in my life of this level. One was a master's in spiritual psychology, completely leaving my field of advertising. The other was going in the ashram and then this, and, um, my mind's going like, how do I pay for this? What about, how do I get there? What about all the physical things I'm supposed to do? And I'm feeling this really profound call. And I have all these friends in fear. You can't go down in Mexico. What are you kidding? The food's not gluten-free the temperature, the heat, the, 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 the you know, you're going to get like, you know, and I know that that's all fear, but even if by some, you know, a miracle, and I have a very clear calling, I'm able to go on all levels. There's like, what am I supposed to be doing to care for the body? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Well, Francis and I, a, a while back did a, a, uh, weekend retreat on uh, on sickness and healing and 
and body symptoms and all that. We went really deeply into the mind. The section in the manual for teachers that I think is helpful as a starting point is when Jesus is asked the question, um, how is healing accomplished? And basically, if you read and reread that, he'll basically say that it just requires one recognition. And that recognition is that the, the mind and not the body is the decision maker. So it, it gets back to what I was talking about earlier. If the body is, is like a learning device for the mind, then it doesn't make errors. It doesn't make mistakes. It's the mind where the, the error is and it's mind where the correction is. And the correction is, is coming back to, through training, seeing everything is mind. So I see that your, your other things, leaving advertising, going into the, the field you went into, going to the ashram, all that was perfectly uh, aligned and to take you. And then when you saw that you weren't to chase this thing in India anymore, and then you seem to have this sickness that came on you, that's very, very common for that stage when you really are, are ready to recognize the power of the mind and the, that the healing is all in the mind. So um, if you, I mean, as far as historical figures, Mary Baker Eddy is the founder of Christian Science is good because she just, he, she had so much seeming illness and sickness and, and to the point of almost death, you know, she, she was literally, uh, had fallen on the ice and was taken in and she was in bed and the doctor came in and basically diagnosed her that she she was dying went out told her friends and uh, the, those that had gathered that she was she was dying and then he and the the friends turned white when she walked out <laughs> of the of the room uh, and she had reached for her bible and she was you know going over that parable with Jesus and the paralytic who had such faith uh, when, when she had this huge uh, bursting healing. And I would go on to share many, many of those healings. So it's a very deep journey, but, but once we're still accustomed to thinking of the body and the person as, as a reality with a mind of its own, and expertise, that's where doctors come in and diagnosis and, and multiple specialists and bills and piling up and everything. But I would say if, if your prayer is really just focused on what is truly helpful here, and if it's meant to be the mystery school, it will, the doors will open. Uh, just like uh, Moses, you know, go, going through the, 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 the sea and the waters parting, things will configure for the healing because your healing and your happiness is the most important thing in the whole universe. And if that's the most important thing, then the, the way will open. But I know I've done much writing and many videos um, around the body and symptoms and the mind and, and where the decision is. And this decision is heavily guarded. It's almost like Fort Knox you know, where they guard the gold bars. The ego is guarding these false ideas around uh, around itself and around sickness, like in, in a heavily guarded uh, place. And then, but Jesus knows the way, uh, the way in to get past that, that guarded place and get back there to the light. So thank you for pouring this out.
for all of us. You're in our prayers. And and yeah, I, I, I just pray that every single recognition and every single step that that you need will be given you as it has been for you on this uh, spiritual journey that 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 gives you the confidence to know that yeah that things just happen to go from advertising to where you are now facing facing this belief in sickness and death uh, that's all been perfectly orchestrated for you and for the whole universe so thank you okay laura <laughs> hi hi <laughs> oh my gosh my heart is going a mile a minute i feel so anxious about sharing um i i have a series of miracles i wanted to share and um david smickley i almost got me to put my hand down because it's also real estate oriented but um I kept getting this push to share. So in the storyline, my dad died a couple of years ago in 2020, and he left my sisters and I a house. Um, and uh, I, the idea of having a house in my mind is just such a pain in the ass, honestly, <laughs> because we don't live there. And to have to take care of something that's just sitting somewhere is just doesn't seem fun to me. So throughout this time, I've been giving to Holy Spirit, you know, asking, please take care of things because I don't want to do anything related to this house. Well, shortly um, after my dad died, I get an e one of the first emails I get is from his neighbor. And um, she says, I'm sorry about your dad, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, oh, by the way, I'm a real estate agent. And my first thought was how rude that she would email me this right after my dad dies. How dare she? And then like, I don't know, one or two days later, I'm like, wait a minute, this could be really helpful <laughs> when we actually want to sell the house. So that was one thing. And then um, throughout these almost two year time frame, I've been consistently praying to the Holy Spirit because I really, you know, unless I'm inspired to do something, I don't want to do it. And I don't want to force anything. So please help me, please help me. Well, lately or just um, last month, my sister and her husband came into town and my, my sister's husband is very handy. He came up to the house. He did just about every single thing that needed to be fixed in that house. Prior to when he came, he had also called somebody, I forget there, there's that place online that you can arrange for people to come and take care of things. And there was a sighting guy and he had arranged that even prior to him coming um, to Illinois to fix things, which I didn't even know about. And then um, before my sister left, she said, Laura, you may have to you know, work with this guy since you're close. They live in North Carolina. Since you're close, you may have to work with him. So I reached out to my sister and said, can I get his name and number? And she responded back to me just a couple of days ago. Oh, that guy's already at the house. He's fixing all the siding right now. You don't have to do anything. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't have to do a damn thing. 
I didn't have to do anything. And it was all taken care of. I am so grateful. And then when David was sharing about how Jesus can be the realtor, I was like, yes, G Jesus can be the realtor. And um, so I do have a question. Although I keep hearing kind of the answer a little bit in my mind as I'm even thinking about it, but um, my sisters are non-course people and they kind of think I'm kind of a fruit loop, which is okay with me. I don't care. Um, and so working with two other people to kind of go with inspiration, we all have kind of differing thoughts about when to sell the home, how to sell the home, what actually needs to be fixed before we sell the home, all that kind of stuff. How do you kind of work with, I mean, yeah, how do you kind of work with people to collaborate on things when they're not course people and don't really understand what I'm talking about when I'm saying things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beautiful, Laura. Well, you know, it's, it's like you got your big insight when you heard David Smickley speaking like, that's it. Jesus, be my realtor. You, you could feel the simplicity and the joy of that. And then if we bring in the, that uh, beautiful uh, part in the, in the manual for teachers about should healing be repeated? He, he basically says, no, once you've made the prayer, once you've made the offering, uh, then you just have to let go of expectations of the timing of it, of how it will occur, of, of the methodology and everything. You just have the prayer of the joy that you felt when, when you heard David say, Jesus be my realtor. That's your part right there. That's your, your total part right there. And then if there's anything for you to say or do with your sisters, you just have to gently offer it up and put it out as if you're bringing a platter of food to them, you know, just to serve. You're not taking the hors d'oeuvres and jamming it down their faces. You're just offering it as a nice platter for them, guided suggestions that you may have, and then you take the platter away and you rest content in your original prayer. Jesus, be my realtor. And then if there's something else, you make a suggestion, you offer it up as a platter. Would you like something? No, you're not hungry. No, we're not going for that. No. Okay, that's fine. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'll just put the tray away again. You see, just keep offering your guidances without any kind of sense of, of trying to direct it or control it. Because that's the undoing of, the, of the, any kind of Laura control patterns. And that is the blessing. That's that's how you let Jesus be your realtor. You don't intervene. You don't try to interfere with how it will go. And, you know, David showed how he went to mystery school. He heard uh, Vicky's story. He was all fired up. He thought, yeah, that's it. Jesus be my realtor. And then one hour after he arrives back home, uh, it all sets into motion. The realtor called him, you see. He, he wasn't actively, aggressively trying to play out something. He was just staying in the prayer of Jesus, be my realtor. And you, that's what you felt too, the, the lightness of this. Uh, so that's how, that's how to do it. Uh, just realize you're not steering the steering wheel. You know, you're, you're not driving the car. You're just going to be a, 
a passenger, maybe a passenger in the back seat and enjoy this uh, real estate miracle from from a nice vantage point in the back seat with your hands not on the steering wheel. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Uh, wonderful. We're getting cascades. Okay. We've got about 14 minutes left, and uh, I see uh, Melody. Melody Feth there. Hi there, Melody. Hi. I just wanted to say hi, and it's nice to see all your familiar faces, and um, I'm just feeling very grateful, and I'm just living in the flow, and um, there's all kinds of miracles, and um, even in sadness, and I'm just very blessed. So thank you all for your friendship and your love and support. Thank you, Melody. Thank you for coming on and introducing yourself. Yeah, we we follow along with you all along, so we know you're you're totally with us. But it's great to to see you and. Everybody can hold you in their love and light. So thank you. Thank you, Melody. Beautiful. Wenji. Is that how you pronounce your name? Something like that. Hi. Um, yeah, I've been my heart is cracked open by Julia's sharing and the previous sharing as well. You know, um, it's great when God leads us, and Julia is so devoted to God, right? So it's good when God takes care of us, we're happy, and so God do everything for us, provide for us. But what if when things happen like this, and then this is spiritually very crushing? So then you would say, okay, this is, this is for you. This this crack is for you, so that you can be cracked open, so you can know God better, know your true self, or know who you are. You're not your body. You're not your mind. You are spirit. So then, my question would be like, okay, so we are devoted to God. We're devoted to know the truth. So is the only purpose. The God's only purpose, he wants us to know him. He wants us to know we're spirit. Then it seems like he will give us all these trials like Julia is going through or Alyssa. So that, you know, he just crack us open so that we can know him. Then we should expect to experience hell right here on earth so that we can be cracked open and, and, and really know him. Or should we expect to follow God and be taken care of like the other sharing or like so happily? Of course, we want to we want to feel the bliss and everything. But then so this is really something I would like to be enlightened. Uh, in my own experience, I've been following God as well. And it seems like when you love God so much, you can go through hell. And you can think the hell is there for you so that you can be cracked open. So you, you can endure decades of aloneness without any support. You can 
endure anything. You can endure sickness. So, but then, well, we are all devoted to God. But, but then, I don't understand. Is there any other purpose? So, once God crack you open, once you know, oh God, I know, uh, what is my true identity? Then God is going to take care of you. Now you can be happy. Well, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, that. You're raising really good, deep, deep, deep questions. Uh, somebody told me recently, I have a friend of mine was saying that um, he, he was even questioning some of Eckhart Tolle's teaching, where it was talking about the oneness using suffering in a beneficial way. <laughs> and, and that's where your question is. It's like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't make sense. Love, joy, happiness, oneness, what does that have to do with hell? What does that have to do with suffering? And when you, you said God puts us through, you know, these kind of lessons, uh, tribulations, struggles, you know, for what? Why, why would God do that? The good news is God doesn't have anything to do with the struggles and the tribulations. They are all generated from the ego. God didn't create time and space. God didn't create bodies. God didn't create persons or personalities. God is just pure love, pure spirit, okay? And the teachings of the Course are nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. So, what seems to be trials, lessons, is simply a faulty belief that has been repeated over and over. In fact, Jesus tells us, History wouldn't even exist if you didn't keep making the same mistake in the present. If you didn't keep choosing ego, you wouldn't suffer. That makes sense. That's divine reasoning. The ego is a death wish. You choose it, you suffer. Not in reality, but in your awareness. <laughs> in awareness, we know how that goes. You know, so that's where the, these are purely, purely non-dual teachings. I mean, there's a lot of great non-dual teachings in India, in China, there have been non-dual teachings throughout history. This happens to be teachings from Jesus Christ, which is a pure, awake mind. Even Buddha didn't reach that. I mean, this, this is teachings from mind awake. This is from pure, clear spirit. And what Jesus says in the workbook, he says, if God is real, there is no pain. And if pain is real, there is no God. Whoa! Now we're getting into the depth of the teaching that God is the creator of reality, that you don't make your own reality, you don't create your own reality. Even a lot of the high so-called New Age teachings don't, no, no, that's not it either. None of it is it. That God is pure love. And when we go through sickness, suffering, pain, mental anguish, anxiety, depression, greed, you know, I can name, you could go on for a few minutes if we named a few more, but basically all those are generated from ego. Ego is, sometimes people say, acronym for edging God out, ego. Uh, ego is a belief in separation from God. Ego is a, is a death wish. Ego has nothing good to offer. It, it is, death is not real in etern eternity, but 
to a mind that believes in death, that is where the hell comes in. So that's why I liked even this Christian minister who said, we don't go to hell, we go through hell. We go through the, the temptations of the ego. We go through the darkness to reach the light. And you're asking the most basic questions like, like does God take care of us? Yes, God does take care of us. The Holy Spirit uh, guides us. But, but that's just stepping stones along the way as we begin to let go of the ego, as we release all of our faulty beliefs. There's even a part in A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, it has never really occurred to you to release every scrap of fear that you have in your mind. I'll say it again. Jesus says, it has never really occurred to you to release every scrap of fear in your mind. And yet, that's the, all the mystics and saints have said, empty your mind of everything you think you think and think you know. So, uh, we're down to our last five minutes and we still have more, but we will, the movie, I will address these tomorrow. I'm going to do it through relationships. I'm going to do it through the teaching devices that we have. But thank you for your questions because, uh, no, and this is what I mean, there will never be an intellectual understanding of spirituality. In fact, people, the, the number one question that I get asked around the world is, how did, how did the separation occur? If everything is love, how did we get anything else? How did the separation occur? And Jesus says, the ego will ask many questions that this course has no answer for. How did the separation occur? To whom did the separation occur? It, there is no answer, but there is an experience, a healing experience that leads to self-realization, know thyself, that, that is the answer. And that's why we're all joined. So thank you, Wenji. You're, you're bringing up the very deep questions and we will address these. So maybe on um, Sunday too, we'll have more time to go into this more, more deeply with you. But thank you for raising this. Okay, it looks like we maybe have time maybe for one more, but Sabine's been waiting patiently <laughs> with, her, with her love t-shirt. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, Sabine. Hi, David. Hi, Francis. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I really hear the whole time, don't speak, don't speak, don't speak up. And therefore, I really... I think I have to because there's something to come out and it's really with maybe with doing all this now I'm doing again, you know, translation is so deep. And actually there was this morning something I was <laughs> I was sharing a new announcement for Utah. <laughs> yesterday and I was writing a comment <laughs> and in this morning it was not there anymore you know and I feel I have some done something wrong <laughs> and somebody took it away I don't know how it's really happening you know but maybe it's really all for me that I I thought I was mentioning something about a fear 
this fear this fear of snakes and this comment I was gonna touch how I had done something so wrong to speak about this. No, no, no. That, <laughs> no, 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 no. You, it, your comments and your thoughts are so important, Sabine. <laughs> Sorry. There's so much coming up with this, and then really this whole thing was coming up that I, I have this belief that I can do something wrong. It's really. I think it's really this belief, and I, I couldn't really see this. This is such a deep belief that I can do something wrong. And I really want to put this out because I think this is really blocking. Oh my God. We're totally going on with all this stuff. I can relate to so many which was speaking up, also Elisa, I'm at the same point. And I, I, I often think, yeah, it's good to make all this, but there's something coming up, I have to release these feelings, I think. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing this, Sabine. I think that's, that's an, you're also why Jesus picked this movie for tomorrow, because these main characters, they just, they just fall apart. Um, their their worlds fall apart when they hear unexpected things that, that just feels like the worst day of their life. And then, and then from that cracking open, from the worst, like feeling like this is the worst, this is the worst ever, the worst day of my life. That's that is the crack that that allows us to accept what, what is given because we're. Our pride is cracking open. Our uh, we've had a long-standing belief that we we know something, uh, or we know about ourselves, or we, you know, we have thoughts. Oh, I never get the breaks, or where did I take a wrong turn? And Jesus is always telling us, "You're not going to find the answer looking back." Even in the Bible, they told Lot's wife. I remember when I watched the Ten Commandments and. And their husband and Lot and his wife, and they're they're leaving, they're walking, and then they somebody says, Whatever you do, don't look back, or you'll turn into a pillar of salt. And then as a little boy, I'm watching the movie, and I was horrified when when this woman turned back and she turned into a pillar of, of salt. And I was like, Oh my God, don't don't ever go against the commandments of God or there's tragic consequences. But but you're, yeah, I think you just exposing it right now here at the very end of our session, that's that's so beautiful to be able to cry and crack open and just say, I have this belief that I've made a mistake. And then you made a comment on Facebook and it it's gone. <laughs> It's like the pillar of salt has struck. Your your comment is is now gone. But we love you, and we're just so grateful that for everything that you share in this. You know, because we're all in this together, and we'll always be here laughing with you in the end. 
as the, as the world seems to fall apart, you know, we'll be the last voice laughing. <laughs> that's, that's the way. Thank you. Thank you, Sabine. <laughs> oh, we love you. I think this Jesus made this movie for you and uh, Elise tomorrow. <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's got a real good one <laughs> lined up. Mm. Oh. <sighs> thank you, everyone. Wow, it goes by so fast. But thank you, Wenji, for raising what you did. This, these are all very important things that that all the comments and questions were so helpful and so profound today. And we will we will offer that as our prayer now to say, Spirit, lead us, show us the way, illuminate our minds, erase all the questions, erase all the doubt. Like the picture I have in the behind me there. <laughs> There's Jesus with his arm up and and opening to the light. And that's that's what we're doing. That's the symbol of our whole prayer for this weekend, for the Happy Dream Retreat. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you, David. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, everyone. Yeah.